0: Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor.
1: Hey, Josh Lindsay.
0: And when I say with us, I mean like last time, not really with us. We're all Zooming from across the DuPage County, Chicagoland area because we are quarantined, right?
1: We are. Yep.
0: And uh, that yep came from our trusty dusty research extraordinaire, button pushing guy, helping us with Zoom and recording Jason Rugg.
1: Hey there. Hey, there's that hey there I miss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm bringing it back.
1: I'm so glad. (laughs) I miss you guys. I hate like not sitting in the same space with you. I mean, I'm thankful Um, we have the video, but it's just not the same.
0: No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm ready to be around human beings again, besides yeah. my children and my lovely wife.
2: <laughs> I'd say it's saving me a lot of money from you guys stealing all my snacks. So that's good.
1: Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm glad we could help you out in that department. I'm saving a lot of money. I think period, like not driving anywhere, not eating out and certainly not traveling for the film. So that's one good way to make your budget last. Yeah. (laughs) Stay at home.
2: (laughs) There's a bright side to everything.
1: Yes. Anyway.
0: So we are talking about The Girl Who Wore Freedom and uh, we're in the midst of submitting to film festivals and finalizing the film even though we thought the film was finalized already so why don't you bring us to speed christian where where are we at with the the movie right now
1: yeah thank you for asking that um well it's been an interesting week um there have been some highs and some lows so the good thing i can report is that we still had donations come in last week it, it blew my mind. Uh, they It was from repeat donors, but I thought for sure we'd never have any more donations again. And over the course of the last week, we did have about $4,000 donated. So wow. I was very encouraged about that. Um, that is going to give us a little bit of cushion now. I think we have $5,000 in the bank. So that will give us a little cushion. Um, I also spent more time getting our, like, payments deferred. So we've got some time um, paying our minimums on the production debt we have. And I was looking for some loans and grants. And I have spent a lot of time doing that this week, trying to figure out how we can still have some income, even though our donations have, you know, really scaled down. Um, and, you know, with the film, while I was doing a lot of that, Jeff Kurdnacker, our composer, was finalizing the score. So if you remember last time we talked, the film was locked, which means the story was completely set. All of the visuals in the film, you know, have been chosen. They're not going to change unless we have to take some archival footage out to and have to replace it because of rights issues or quality issues. So we finished, so we gave it to Jeff, and he has now finished the score for the final time. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, it's, it's super exciting, and he, we were hoping that we would be able to, you know, hire a symphony to play his score and have live instruments, and... But that still has not happened. Um, That can still happen. So it will not be live instrumentation for the film festivals. However, if we do get a sponsor like Michelin, if they came on board, we would use part of that money to rent a studio and hire um, musicians to come in for Jeff to direct them. And, you know, we would have a beautiful instrument-filled score. So
0: where you mentioned Michelin. You had... uh... Showed the film out there, gave them a proposal to partner with the film. Um, Is that just on pause right now? What's
1: the latest with that? I did finally hear back from them this week. Uh, They said that all of their um, funding has been placed on hold. So it's just indefinite hold and they are using any funds they can to help the communities that they're involved in. So, you know, Michelin North America is in Greenville, South Carolina, Michelin in France is not too far from Normandy. Uh, So they are using all of their funds in the different places where they are for the communities that need them. So, and they certainly don't have time to worry about this. Now, I think, If I get into a film festival, let's say we get get into the Sheffield Film Festival or Traverse City or uh, Toronto, and I was to go back to them and say, we really need to revisit this because this is coming up. And if you want to be our partner, now's the time, there would be an urgent reason for them to address it. But right now, I think they don't need to. They know they don't need to. So I can't, you know, rely on that.
0: And you mentioned you were applying for loans and so forth. I mean, like, does is what you're doing qualify for uh, what's being offered in terms of like bridge loans and small business loans and things like that right now?
1: I'm so thankful that you asked that question. I This has been a very educational uh, week in terms of understanding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why anybody listening to this podcast is going to need to know this in the future, but hopefully you'll <laughs> never have another pandemic that hits you. But um, I just... Didn't understand a lot about what resources were available to me as a small business. So even this week, I was going to go apply for some grants in Illinois. And in order to do that, you had to apply in this Illinois grant database and you had to provide a DUNS number, D-U-N-S number. And I didn't know I had one, so you can look up and see if you do. And when I first did, I didn't. And so I went to apply for a Dunn's number, but at Dunn and Broad Street, it was going to take a long time, and I knew I needed it quickly, so they had an expedited version for like $220. So I said, well, I'll do that. So I did that, and today I got a phone call from someone at Dunn and Broad Street who said... Now, your form wasn't all the way filled in, which is crazy because it was, but I I just want to make sure you know what you're signing up for, and so it turns out that on their website, it is confusing, and it's kind of a mess, and there is a place where I, because I'm just applying for a grant, I can apply for free, and they'll give me the results in 24 to 48 hours. So. She gave me a link to that and then said she'd refund my money and then did some more research and found out that I have three Dun's numbers. One for Christian Taylor, who was a sole proprietor. Then Christian Taylor opened Taylor Productions Limited, which was a S-Corp. And then Christian Taylor opened Normandy Project LLC, which is an LLC. So for each one of those, there are three different numbers, except, you know, I'm the owner of all three of those. And so... Um, That's been a mess. And then with this stimulus package that just went through, I've got a, you know, graduate degree, I think, in this now, thanks to my assistant, Melissa. (laughs) I'm laughing because I always call her Michelle for some stupid reason. Anyway, (laughs) my assistant, Melissa, thank you, Melissa, I love you dearly. um, She has been on, Johnny on the spot for helping me figure this out from the very beginning. And we did apply for, the EIDL loan which is the economic disaster and injury loan and this loan originally said that you would get up to 200 you could apply for up to $200,000 and the first $10,000 of it was forgiven and the rest of it you would have to pay back over a 30 year term at 4% interest so i thought okay well i'll do that and then i will Lump all of my debts together and pay those back at a much lower interest rate, and then also use some of it to get the rest of the project done. Well, from the time that that was the deal in the original stimulus package, what actually has happened is that, like this week, they wrote us all a letter, people that applied, and said, So, what we've decided to do is you have applied, you are being considered. We are going to, you know, everyone is supposed to get this $10,000, but because so many people want it, you're only going to get $1,000 per employee. Wow. And you have one employee, right? One employee at <laughs> Taylor Productions and one employee in Normandy Project.
0: Oh, okay. And are they both you?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now here's the other problem. The other option was the PPP loan, the where you would p- do the payroll thing, and you could apply for this PPP loan through your local bank, and they would give you the loan, you know, at lower interest, and you would you would be able to get a lot of it um, forgiven if you used it to pay your payroll it Sounds fabulous, and we started to apply to that because then I could pay Bill and I could play all these other people until we realized that they actually had to be, you know, W 2 employees. And because I am, a, you know, a, basically an, an S Corp, I don't have employees because I have no money to pay them, I have subcontractors, so I, I haven't paid payroll even to myself. In the past, when my businesses were making money, I would pay myself a payroll, but all of anything that we've brought in for donations or any money that I have made doing voiceover or acting has all been funneled into the business, which is operating at a loss. So I haven't even been paying myself, so I can't even show I've run payroll on me. So I can't apply for any PPP at all for anyone. And what they told me was that, you know, all of the people that I hire as subcontractors can apply for their own um PPP submitting their 1099s or their W, you know, or their um or their page stubs or whatever. And but that doesn't do Normandy Project and The Girl Who Wore Freedom any good. Right. Because I can't hire those people. I have work for them to do, plenty of work for them to do, but there's no way that I can hire them. So for me, this, this like stimulus package has been a complete bust because my husband makes too much money on his own, so we get nothing there, and then my business gets nothing here. Wow, yeah, it's been a really frustrating situation to try to figure out. So now I'm desperately trying to figure out how not to sink, because my businesses both have overhead that's set for you know payments to come out of. Whether they're for you know the loans that we took out for production in the first place, whether they are uh, subscriptions that we use for all of our virtual office, right? so I'm not quite sure what to do. It's a good thing that I'm a Christian and I have faith because I just don't, I don't know what people do when they don't, you know, believe that their needs will but when be you have for. the same
0: problem, not you have the same problem even without what's going on in the world today? I mean, because you're, you, you're d- donations based. And so anything can slow donations down.
1: Anything can. But over the past two years, we've been able to meet all of our monthly – Um, overhead and more by doing the events we were doing. Right.
2: Which you can't do anymore.
1: Which I can't do anymore. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, I also applied for a lot of artists grants. So there are tons of artists grants everywhere. This just drives me crazy. So I went out immediately and I was applying for all of these artists grants. And a lot of them were, were any of your, Um, events canceled where you would have made money this year? Well, the answer is yes. However, like we can't prove that because we haven't gotten into any of the festivals yet. Right. And all of our events that we had planned were self-promoted events. It wasn't like we were at you know, Lala and got canceled, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And so we can't show that. Um, and and then when I go to fill out all the forms, it's ask, they're only wanting to give money to people that can't pay for food. I mean, as they should, can't pay for food or for medicine or for things like that. Um, but so I fall in no man's land in every single place, whereas if we were in a situation where I could continue to have screenings to raise money, people around the world weren't trying to hoard their money so that they can have it, you know, for in case something happens, Um, you know, and so. uh,
0: Well, in terms of film uh, festivals you're going to submit to or already have, have you heard of any uh, film festivals canceling or is it still... Um, are they still planning to go forward? So Um,
1: all of the film festivals are handling it in different ways. And a lot of them are still trying to figure out how they're going to handle it. Um, the first documentary film festival that we submitted to the Sheffield Doc Fest is in England, uh, the first week of June. We heard two weeks ago, March 31st, that they were going to do something different in a different format. So it wasn't going to be a physical film festival like they had scheduled it to be. It's going to take place in some different form. So we don't even know what the different form will be, and it will be later in the year. Um, Speculation is that it will be an online festival. They were supposed to tell us today if we were an official selection or not. But now that's been delayed for two weeks, so we don't know that information yet. Um, and this whole thing has changed our festival strategy. So, for example, let's say hypothetically we get into the Sheffield Documentary Film Festival, and they are going to have a virtual, um, a virtual screening. Well, it's an amazing thing if we become an official selection. Because that lets all the that's an Academy Award qualifying festival, and that means other big film festivals will be like, Whoa, they got in there? We should take a look at them. Maybe we should have them here. You know, it's really like kicks you off for the other film festivals that you've applied to. But if and we were hoping that would be our world premiere, but now if they're going to be an online film festival, we don't want to premiere our film online because many other festivals that may open down the road, like Toronto, have rules that if you've screened online, you cannot be premier at their festival. So, the big festivals like Cannes and Toronto and Sundance and all of the ones that you may know usually have premier requirements. You know, they want you to be a you know, a world premiere or a North American premiere or a European premiere or something like that. And so if you've screened before, you're disqualified from that festival, basically. So we're now going to have to be very careful um, and wait for the right time. And so, yeah, it's kind of all mucked up. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen
0: well why don't we do this why don't we shift gears and um you've gotten some listener questions um and then i know we've gotten some fan mail we'd like to read um so why don't i address a couple listener questions here um some people are asking about you know how are the veterans doing right now um i'm assuming they're talking about the ones in your film the ones you're in contact with and how are are your friends in france doing so how is everyone doing right now yeah
1: i'm so glad Somebody asked that question. Um, I just got off the phone today with Jack Hamlin. Jack is the veteran in our film that has the white jacket. He's actually a Coast Guard veteran. He jumped in the water, I don't know how many times, maybe like 27, so he saved 27 lives of guys that were um, just swimming, dying in the water, and he would jump off the boat and save them and, and bring them back onto his boat. So he saved so many guys' lives. Um, as a swimmer. And he, I called him today just to check on him. I mean, he was just so happy. He was happy to hear from me. He's doing well. He had, was funny, had such a great sense of humor. Uh, He was delighted to hear from me. And I have been calling around and checking up on them because I know that they're by themselves. They are all the ones that I've talked to totally alone. And people are bringing groceries to them, like usually their family members or people in the community. Um, and I started thinking about these guys as I've been talking to them. I also talked to C.O. Bauer, who is doing well, and uh, many of you will know him in our film as the um, veteran who nobody wanted to listen to more than two minutes. He uh, He's doing great, except he's just devastated that his whole entire life savings has gone down the tubes. I I really felt for him because he said, you know, he was doing well physically, uh, emotionally, he was fine, but all of his retirement that he had been saving either to take care of himself through the end of his life or to pass down to his family was gone. Because everything was in the stock market. Wait, he lost all his money? I mean, no, he didn't. I mean, he's exaggerating, but I mean, a, a, a large amount of it, you know, he felt very depleted. Um, But other than that, you know, he still had a stiff upper lip and a positive attitude. And I talked to Gene Neely, Gene Neely. uh I talked to him a couple of days ago, same thing, all super good spirits following the law. And so I, I started thinking, I would like to interview each one of them either with a video phone or over the phone. And I want to ask them, you know, they've seen so much history over the course of their lives. They've lived through the Depression. They lived through Pearl Harbor. They've lived through World War II. They lived through 9-11. They've lived through so many things. They lived through the Civil Rights Movement. And over the course of the time, they've developed... um, I think ways of thinking and coping about crisis and difficulty and uh, so I wanted to get their opinion about what America was like back then. How did they get through the depression? How did they get through World War II? What did they think when, you know, in times of adversity to like get them through? So I decided, I came up with a list of questions and I've sent them now to these veterans and I've had them thinking about the answers to these questions and I'm going to call them or have someone videotape them, like video record them when they go to drop off their food or something. And we're going to start sharing that on social media, their answers, and um, just let them kind of encourage people. The other thing I did is I wanted to encourage them. So I came up with an idea where uh, I opened a post office box. And when we post things about the veterans, we're going to have people send them uh letters. So we're going to put out this post office box address and have people send letters to these veterans. And then I'm going to pass them on to the veterans so that they can get some mail and, um, you know, it, they can, people can write them, you know, uh, they can write people back if they want or whatever. But I figured that way we can, we can encourage them and they cannot be alone. So I, I appreciate, idea. yeah, that somebody's asking about them like that. And then my friends in France I talked to Flavi and Thomas today they made it back to France safely they have been they quarantined themselves for 14 days um, and then they did just go and see their parents just the other day but they had to go back to where they were living and stay by themselves so I France is saying that they're locked down at least through the middle of May but everything is canceled through the end of July like museums are not going to be opened up so they'll do maybe D-Day celebrations very small and with family members or community members right there, but all of the events are canceled. Nothing's going to be happening. So that's very strange and sad. Um, But everybody else there that I know, Danny and Jean-Marie and Flo and Flo Plana and Jenny and all of our, you know, dear cast members are over there. Everybody's healthy and enduring the same thing we are here. Uh, they're worried about us. They're more worried about us than they have been about anybody else, because they are very strictly following all the rules there, and they're, they see the reports about Americans not doing that, so they're concerned about us.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's uh, shift gears one more time. I'm going to hand it over to Jason. we got some fan mail. This would be a good note to end on. So, Jason, uh, you want to pull a letter we got recently?
2: Yeah, so this was a letter from Bill Allen. Um, Christian, do you want to fill in who Bill is a little bit?
1: Bill Allen is a professor of French and Italian at Furman University. And we met when we went to Michelin. He brought some of his French students and some other uh, colleagues there. Uh, He's an amazing individual. And uh, he was just uh, very excited, I think, to meet the French cast members and to be a part of our screening in Michelin. So what did he say?
2: Uh, So this is from Bill. Uh, He said, I hope everyone, everything has been going well since we met in Greenville last month. I believe seeing your beautiful film at the Gunter theater was my last trip out in public. I wouldn't have missed it for anything. However, it was a truly moving experience and such a highly professional polished production. Hmm. It's just astounding that this was your first film. As you can imagine, (laughs) after 30 years of touring Normandy with students, seeing countless films on the subject and reading a number of books from front, For my teaching, I thought I knew the story pretty well and had seen it from all perspectives. But what you have done is something truly new and significant. I've had glimpses of the kind of positive attitudes towards Americans that those interviewed in your film showed, but never with so much rich detail and heartfelt sentiment. I do hope your film reaches the broad audience it so richly merits. And soon.
1: Wow. That's awesome. That's so encouraging when I hear stuff like that, you know, because I'm like, Oh man, for somebody who's, you know, been in the French world and been to Normandy 30 times and learned something new from my film. That's pretty incredible. That gives me, (laughs) that makes, that's so exciting. Well, I'm uh, yeah, go ahead.
0: I think it speaks to uh, perspective because, you know, people have, you know, Telling your story uh, from your perspective or telling a story from different perspectives is what makes you know a story interesting. Even though you may be familiar with the, the characters, the history, the story, whatever it might be, uh, perspective says a lot. And uh, you had a unique perspective, which makes this film appealing to a lot of people because they've just never seen it from your, your vantage point. So. That's a
1: really interesting point. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome, Christian. Um. (laughs) So let me just tell you real quick what we've got going on right now. We're still uh, working on the rights and clearances part of it. We ran into more bumps this week uh, trying to figure out how to work with our archivist. He originally said that he wanted us to send him the reels we were using. So we sent him the complete reels. Then he said, wait a second. I need the clips in your film because I don't want to spend all this time searching through the reels. So we sent him the specific clips. Then this week he said, wait a second, I can't really tell anything from these specific clips. I'm going to need them in context. And we're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) So we're kind of back to the drawing board trying to figure out how to communicate with this archivist and show him what we need so that he doesn't have to spend a ton of time trying to find what we need. Um, so that is still happening we hired a credits guy who's going to actually design our credits um, he's a designer slash motion graphics guy and so he gave us some mood boards the other day and, sh- and suggestions about what the end credits will be like and I'm so excited because it looks like you know at the end they have these lanterns that float off at the end so he sort of is using the lantern light and themes to color uh the the end credits it's awesome can't wait to show you we're gonna have some world war ii war poster iconography in there and yeah so they're gonna be very cool his name is daniel peterino he's um lives in nashville so we're happy to have him on board how did you find him he works with bill ebel our editor at he works for five stone in nashville and so bill introduced us wow
0: you know, I, I think, you know, from your perspective, Christian, you know, you, you get, you're in the, the the heat of it. And so you feel more of the, the pain, if you will, of lack of progress or setbacks or things like that. But, um, you know, from like Jason and I's perspective, who are not in the midst of making the film, uh, it is clear that, you know, like, you've never made a film before. This is all in donations. The ball just keeps getting moved further and further down the field, you know, and so like, I'm always encouraged when we talk because there's so much more progress, even though it might feel like one step forward, three steps back for you. Um, every time you're, you're further along, because last time we talked, you didn't have a credits guide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the score wasn't finished. Um, so I'm not worried about this film at all. Uh, I'm just excited to see what happens in the film festival world. So keep it up. Wow.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I think I can't see the forest for the trees. You're right. I, right. I'm so focused on what I still have to do that I I even I don't even remember having the problem of not having the credits guy. Yeah. I just <laughs> am thinking about the fact that we're not done.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, a week ago or whenever it was, we talked. I guess it was more than a week ago. Uh, you, you brought up you're looking for someone to do the credits, and you know, and that's not the first time you said, "Hey, we're looking for someone to fill in the blank." And then inevitably, you find someone through a volunteer. You know someone who knows someone, whatever it might be, and uh, that's the neat thing about this journey. But again, you being in the midst of it, you don't see that. Um, so, for so people who are on the outside, we're like yeah, she's doing great.
1: <laughs> so, <ta-da. laughs> I'm glad for that. Well, let me just, you'll need to follow up next time with what's happening with the, uh, the 4k finish situation. Cause Bill and I learned this week that we, we, we've always known, sometimes I just want to shake my head. We've always known that we had to finish this in 4k for distribution. So knowing that, we probably should have started doing all of this in 4K from the beginning, but we didn't. We were finishing in 1080p because it's easier to work with smaller files than it is with 4K files. Now we realize what a mistake that was because it is now gonna be so hard and complicated to finish in 4K because we have to go back and reattach all the original files and things like that to the timeline. And it's going to be a nightmare for us. And in doing that, we even found out that we're missing some of the raw files, which now is another big problem that we have to solve. So um, I do think you're right. I keep bumping into big problems, although I'm not worried anymore. You know, I have crossed that Rubicon. Like, I'm not afraid of this film not getting made. I'm also not afraid of this film not being good. It it will be made, and it will be better than a lot of stuff out there that's on Netflix that I've watched <laughs> <laughs> uh, or tried to watch. So, so I'm not kind of worried about that anymore. Um, but it is still a lot of work to do, and somebody has to do it. And I do think I find myself saying I cannot in these days of like four weeks I've been in my house doing, I haven't barely been out of my house in four weeks. It's so easy not to get up and get dressed and decide to go to work in my office. And I think I I could easily just slack off. And I'm sure people on my team might be happy if I gave them a break <laughs> for a little bit. But, but, I know that if I don't push it, it will not get done. And I just remember Ken Burns saying to me <laughs> in my master class, have faith, have perseverance, do not quit, and it will get done.
0: And that is a great note to end on, Christian. Well said. Thank so- Thank you. All right, everyone, remind us, Christian, where can they go? So
1: please go to NormandyStories.com and check out our trailer, our podcast, our blogs. Uh, We are just doing some really fun things there. Also, we bought a whole bunch of inventory of our books and to sell at all of our events. So now we have a great stock of Girl Who Wore Freedom books. So if you would like a book, please email normandystories.com. Oh no, email christian at normandystories.com and we will get a book out to you. Um, And if you have any fan mail you'd like to send us, send it to christian at normandystories.com and we can read it on the air
0: awesome well hey everyone thanks for listening to documentary first where we believe everyone has a story to
1: tell and you can be the one to tell us bye everybody Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at store Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.